The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right. Hello there. It is Tuesday, July 12th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, and shortly thereafter, you will find this entire program on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Tuesday. We are a few days removed from UFC Vegas 58, and while... It was kind of a tough hang, if we're being honest. We did get quite the performance from Raphael Fazeev, who has proven to be a big problem in this loaded UFC lightweight division with a fifth-round stoppage win over Rafael Dos Anjos. I know a lot of people were complaining about the stoppage, but after looking at all the angles, I don't complain about the stoppage. That was a fantastic stoppage from Mark Smith. No issues whatsoever, and it's a huge win. For Rafael Vaziv, there are a lot of fun options for him. Could be Justin Gaethje, could be Dustin Poirier, could be Michael Chandler. The options are plenty for just a super fun fighter, super fun talker in Rafael Vaziv. We are days away from UFC Long Island, which is a big event, big card. Beyond ABC here in the United States, the main event is a big one at 145 pounds between... Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega. Yair Rodriguez was on the MA Hour yesterday and said that with the victory, he was promised a title shot from the UFC, and that's probably what a lot of us expected anyhow. If he goes out there and beats Brian Ortega, he probably gets the title shot over Josh Emmett, which kind of stinks for Josh Emmett, but this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. It just shouldn't be. And I'm very happy that we get some... Early day MMA on Saturday. Prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm very excited about that. And main card starts at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's a pretty solid card. There's some bangers on this one. And I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about Fazeev's performance and the lingering effects of UFC Vegas 58 and whatever it is you want to talk about. So I get some people lined up if you want to hop on in. Raise that virtual hand. We'll get rocking and rolling. And we'll kick things off 
with Mr. Tristan Gordatz. Tristan, how are you? Hey, Mike. How's everything? Good, man. Um, just a quick question. Um, are you is everything situated as far as your power and everything? Because I'm like, man, this is getting concerning here. Is is this going to be a a recurring issue for you? I certainly hope not. I mean, I've been here for almost a year, and it sort of just started. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of t- like we get some we get some pretty nasty storms down here. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Thunderstorm and it wipes wipes us out. That's fine. But Sundays on onset next one, it was beautiful out. It was beautiful. Right. The problem is what what I think kind of hurts is I can walk to where the energy company is. I can literally walk there. So maybe okay. they're doing like tests or whatever, just at random times, and we just happen to to have to deal oh, with it. So okay. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a recurring issue. I just think I'm in some. I just had some bad luck lately with that. That's all. And what about the internet issues? You that that's been situated as well. We are fixing that as we speak. Uh, we are dealing with that. The problem is I moved Command Center 4.0 into the garage, which is being remodeled into the new studio. Okay. Uh, and we're moving around the router. We're adding a booster. So all that will be fixed. It, okay. Just, okay. Please bear with me, everybody. Okay. I promise that will all be fixed. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good to hear. A um, couple of things. I got to say, I'm really excited because I'm going to the Long Island car, pumped up for that, especially that Charles Jordan versus Shane Burgos. That's probably going to be fight of the night. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to be, there's going to be some medical suspension on that fight right there. So I'm really hyped up for that. Going back to UFC Vegas 58, a couple of observation here, uh, observations. I saw that um, RDA took his gloves off. So I was like concerned. I was like, is he about to retire? But obviously nothing happened, whatever. But I'm wondering if he's pondering retirement at this point because, um, you know, he's 37 years old. He just got knocked out. And then I did ask that question. Was he going to be durable enough for this fight against Aziv? Come to find out that chin couldn't hold up any longer. Once he got hit, because he hits very hard, and once he got once he got the chin, it was it was you know it was downhill for there for RDA. So I want your thoughts on that. If, if you think he's probably pondering retirement at this point, or do you think he's just going to continue? Um, also, to uh, Sayuku uh, uh, of what's your thoughts on him? I I thought that was a, a wonderful performance against um, Ronnie Lawrence. He was just absolutely phenomenal, completely dominated. So what do you where do you see him in his prospect as far as the deep divisions bantamweight? Do you think something's there, or do you feel like um, he's, he's just not there yet, or whatever the case may be? So, just your thoughts on those, um, and uh, you know, have a heck of a morning. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Tristan. Yeah, Burgos Jordan is a banger. Can't wait for that fight. Love it. There's a few bangers on here. I mean, Ricky Simone, Jack Short's a great fight. I wanted the. Billy versus Bill fight, but we still get Bill Algiel, Herbert Burns will be, which will be fun. Dustin Jacoby down in jungle will be fun. There's, there's some bangers on this card for sure. But Burgos Jordan is one of those ones that I think everybody has circled at the top of the bill. As far as RDA goes, I mean, I, I don't know if ponder is the right word, but I'm sure it's crossed his mind. Like what else do I have to offer? Because you have to feel, and I said this on the preview show and on this show last week, this one, I did that on Saturday much more than Fazeev did for the exact reasons that you mentioned. His title hopes were sort of hanging on by a thread even heading into that fight, even coming off the, the, the performances in his last couple of fights. But he really needed this one. He didn't get it. Lost to a, just a better guy. And it's not like he got run over. 
It was a competitive fight. One of the judges had it 2-2 going into the fifth round. I don't think that's an egregious scorecard at all. You you can make the argument that it was 2-2 heading into the fifth round. So it was it was close. Like RDA hung in there. Fazeev's takedown defense held up. His gas tank held up. And that was the big thing about this fight. Fazeev is just a tank. He is just a tank at 155. And he hits so hard. He's super quick. His striking is just so dynamic. This guy is a problem. And that takedown defense is just outstanding. And it held up for, throughout the entire fight. As far as Saidi Cub Hakramat, oh, with the retirement thing, there's a chance he gets the Connor fight. I think there's a strong chance that he could come, he, he could get the Connor McGregor comeback fight. I think it makes sense now. They they matched him up for 196 before RDA got hurt. They brought in Nate Diaz. We got that whole story. But RDA coming off this loss and and everything, you feel. If you're going to do it, now's the time, I guess. But So maybe he's holding out hope for that, but we'll see what happens. Because if he does, he better hope he gets that Connor fight, because if he doesn't, he's probably getting like Sarukian or somebody like that or Gamrod. And either of those fights are just nightmares for, for RDA, in my opinion. So maybe he gets the Connor fight. We'll see what happens. But as far as uh, Saidi Cub Hakramadov, man, that guy is a is real good. He out Ronnie Lawrence, Ronnie Lawrence definitely didn't see that coming. I knew he was a good fighter, but I definitely didn't expect that. I definitely didn't expect him to just chain takedowns and just frustrate Ronnie Lawrence like that. And Ronnie Lawrence made a statement on his Instagram stories after that. He probably had some sort of, uh, you know, was dealing with some, some different things and yeah, he didn't want to make excuses because of it. And yeah, great performance. The fight to make is him versus Victor Henry. I'm very excited, or not Victor Henry, but Victor Henry is a guy that's definitely in the mix. 135 is so good. It's so good. Maybe he gets the loser of this Ricky Simone Jack Shore fight. I'm very high on him. I'm very high on him. Really excited to see where he can go. He can do Montel Jack. I mean, there's a lot of different directions you go with this guy. So very excited to see what happens with Hawk Romanoff. I know Terrence McKinney spoke very, very highly of him and. He wasn't wrong. That was a great performance. Let's go to Sivaram. Sivaram, let's see. The wheel is spinning. We're trying to connect. Are you there? Hello, sir. Uh, quite a some time. Uh, I really liked what uh, your people views on the MMA. Uh, so, um, my doubts about the two weight divisions, uh, one is the lightweight, uh, division and, uh, another one is the welterweight. So what do you say about the, uh, who should Colby fight next? And, uh, uh, how, what about the Charles Oliver situation? Is he going to fight with the Connor or, uh, is Dana, go is, uh, CEO of EFC? Dana White going to give a chance to Charles to fight with uh, Connor, or is he going to give a chance to the Islam and uh, between uh, you know uh, Connor or Islam and uh, number one contender Dustin? Uh, I don't know what to make of uh, those uh, that lightweight division because it's been stacked very hard, you know, from one to ten, and also coming back to the welterweight. So Kamaru Osman is ruling those that division for a long time. So I think the only person that can 
uh, close to beating Usman is the Colby uh, because recently in a UFC 277 uh, I witnessed that uh, Volk dominated the Max uh, in that triage fight so I do think that Colby uh, deserves to fight again with Usman like a, another match to complete that saga uh, so I don't think uh, Usman can uh, dominate Colby like Volk did to Max so I do think that Colby had a, Colby will have a uh, somewhat chance to beat Usman in a trilogy fight. Thanks, man. Yeah, great, great points. Colby, I mean, Colby, it's tough right now. Like, I, I'd love to be able to give you an answer on what's next for Colby, but I, I just don't know. He's dealing with everything with with, with Mazdal and all everything that happens in March in Miami Beach. So, I've I've said this a million times, and I'll say it again. A lot of people feel like, oh, Colby's scared to fight Hamza Shamayev. That was the fight that the UFC wanted. They wanted to headline this particular ABC card, wherever it was going to be. They wanted to, to make Colby versus Hamza the main event. Dana White talked about it many times. Uh, right after UFC 273, when Shamayev beat Gilbert Burns, he said, this is what we want to do. There's an ABC card coming up in the summer. This is the main event we want. But we're dealing with all the stuff with Mazadal. And now there's talks of brain injuries and things like that from that alleged attack from Mazadal. So it's tough. I have no idea what, what what's going to happen with Colby at this point. But for those saying that Colby was scared to fight Shemaev, I just don't believe you. That's just not right. And I think Colby would have taken that fight in five seconds. And it was just a big opportunity only because if he had, if they had booked that fight, it would have been, there would have had to been a contingency in place that, the winner gets a title fight because Colby the fight is, it was a, it would have been a big deal, a big fight and Colby would have loved it. But at the same time, Colby would have wanted a little something, something in return for taking that fight and a title shot would have done it for him. And I agree with you. I, I Colby's the second best welterweight in the world. And in a world where Kamar Usman does not exist, Colby is the champion right now. He's the best welterweight in the world in a world that does not involve Kamar Usman, in my opinion. I think he's that good. Uh, and there's a lot of people who felt like Colby beat Usman in the second fight. He just got off to such a slow start. He definitely won the second half of that fight. But the third round was the toss-up. One and two, it seemed pretty clear. Three was the toss-up round. Four and five were clearly Covington rounds, in my opinion. But three, it just... It, Colby just got off to a little bit of a late start. And that 155 is just a mess. It's so fun, but it's such a mess right now. I don't, I'm not going to say Connor is out of the running, but I think the Connor thing is contingent on Oliveira fighting Makachev first. So clear, it's, it's clear what the UFC wants to do. They want to headline that Abu Dhabi card with Makachev versus Oliveira for the vacant title, and which is fine. If that's the direction they go, cool. But if I'm Makachev, I'm, I'm not a fan of going to Abu Dhabi and fighting Makachev. And he's already talked about it. He's not a fan of it either for multiple reasons. Just he wants to be sort of viewed as the champion, even though the weight miss and all that stuff, he wants to be treated like the champion. He's already had to fight Gaethje on enemy soil. And now he would have to fight Makachev on essentially enemy soil in Abu Dhabi. It's a tough, that's a tough one. He's talked about the judging in the past. And I know like a, more more recently than not, the UFC sort of brings in their own 
like some of the Vegas judges, some of the well-known judges, but other times like UFC 242, for example, they bring in the locals, they bring in local judges from the UAE. And sometimes they could sway things in a way that not a lot of people love. So if I'm Oliveira to take that fight, there's got to be something in place that would make it worth his while. And I would say, Hey, if I'm the UFC and I want Oliveira to take this fight, listen, you got to take this fight. If you win, then we'll give you Connor. But I think he doesn't get Connor unless he fights Makachev first. And most notably in October in Abu Dhabi. Otherwise, I don't think he gets what he wants. But we'll see. 155 is kind of a mess right now, but it's super fun. And hopefully this gets worked out before the end of the year so we can move forward and just book a bunch of fun title fights. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's go to my man, Clearest Values. What's up, Clearest Values? Good man. All right, so I have a question for you. Because first of all, I don't necessarily believe that Dana's just like on a chill vacation. I think he's pretty burnt out, which is understandable. He's been doing it a long time. And I was kind of curious if you've heard anything or if you have a feeling like we're kind of coming towards the end of him on the helm and maybe Hunter gets a call soon. Because I, I remember in an interview he had said he had someone in mind that would replace him. And I think it's pretty clear that that's Hunter Campbell. And I'm a little curious if you think that's actually coming sooner rather than later because it seems like he's not really interested. But, you know, I would be curious if... if you know, he was pressed if he could tell you what country Raphael Fazeev is from, or if he knows who probably is getting the next, if he knows who Manon Fioro is. Like, I don't know that he knows these contenders and if he's even interested about them. And I think a good example of that is what's happening in Lightweight. Because I think if Dana were on his game, were on top of everything, I think we would be seeing some of these top contenders fighting some of these up and coming guys. But I don't see that happening. Um, you know, Charles basically cleared out the veterans in the lightweight division, you know, unless you want to put Benil Dariush in that category. There's not really any of those lightweights that have, except for, you know, selling pay-per-views with Connor and maybe Dustin also sells some pay-per-views. None of those guys are really bringing anything new to the lightweight division that we haven't already experienced and haven't already kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, juiced, you know, you got everything from that last squeeze and I'm a little curious what you think is going on here because it seems like he's not interested anymore. 
Thank you, Clarice Values. Yes, that's uh, an interesting point. We were told, we were told at two seventy six that it was a vacation. That it was, and then Cowboy said that he was dealing with some family stuff. So I honestly have no idea. I have talked to somebody who gave me sort of a theory about it, but I am not at liberty to discuss that because I don't have enough information. So I have no, honestly, I have no idea. Like I can't hundred percent say what's going on. Um, there might be some truth to that. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. It just seems weird that of all fight weeks to miss, like not going to Singapore, you know, dealing with the you know son's 21st birthday. I get that as a, as a parent myself, I know Dana got a lot of crap for that, but as a parent myself, I get I get that. Sometimes you have to, even, even though you love work and you love your job and you know you're the face of it in a lot of ways. Like I I get it. If it's my kid's 18th birthday or 21st birthday or his birthday in general, I'm probably skipping out on something if it means that much to my son, hundred percent. So I get that. I don't give him a lot of flack for that one. I don't. I know he's very pumped, and I know. Going to Singapore, first Singapore pay-per-view, it's a very big deal. I get it. But I get it. I'm totally fine with him not going to that. And then some of the other events, okay, now we're starting to get a little weird. Like It, it started like with the Jacksonville card because he wasn't at the press conference. And John Anik was hosting the press. And listen, John Anik, I love John Anik. He's the man. So John Anik hosting press conferences is totally fine with me. I know you want to see Dana up there and I know you want Dana to ask questions to, to hear, get questions asked to Dana and what his responses are. It, I get it. But Anik does a great job just introing, making it about fighters. And a lot of times that's, some, that's something that drives me a little bit crazy about Dana. Like he's just such a, such a powerful figure that he almost takes away from the fighters in certain respects. So it's nice seeing Anik up there. It gives the nice intro, welcomes the fighters, welcomes everybody to the press conference. He's there, this just there trying to, he's just there as the face, and he will lead things in the right direction if things start to go astray. But not being at 276 International Fight Week, like to anything, that was weird. That was weird. The press conference, fine. 278 press conference, fine. But not at the, that's when we're like, uh oh. And then not at the event at all. It's just, I don't know. I had an answer for you, but I have no idea. Has he checked out? I don't know. I don't know. He's got that, he's sort of got, and I know the situations are a little bit different right now, but he's sort of got, in my eyes, he sort of has Vince McMahon vibes to him where he ain't leaving until you have to carry his dead body out of there. But I don't know. Maybe he's just like, yeah, I've kind of had enough of this. And with the matchmaking and stuff and knowing the fighters, it's not really his, it's, it's his job to promote, but it's not his job to like make fights or control that narrative. It's his job just to be the face. And I don't know. He's the promoter, not, you know, at times he's a very good promoter. And at times he's not a very good promoter. He just craps on the fighters a little bit. But listen, he's out living his best life right now. He's out hanging out with the Nelk boys and giving them quarter million dollar birthday presents so do you buddy do you let's go to my man mikey bats mikey bats how are you my man make sure you're on mute mikey mikey try again my man we'll get you right in 
Let's get Don Kuzan in here. What's up, Don? What's going on, Mike? Hope you're having a heck of a morning, all of that stuff, man. Yes, sir. Um, so I wanted to talk about changing gears. I wanted to talk about uh, Sadiq Yusuf fighting uh, Giga Chikaze, which I am so excited for. I am a little bit of bias on this. I really wanted to know your opinion on it, on the fight itself. What's your opinion on the two fighters and just like them fighting each other? I have a special bias to this because I actually went to high school with Sadiq. I went to high school with him and his brother. Oh, nice. And like, I remember being a freshman. Like walking through class, you know, looking like a dweeb and just hearing on the announcement, oh, congratulations to Sadiq Yusuf winning national wrestling uh, uh, championship and all just all of this stuff. And then, like, now, like, you know, just hearing him win competitions and stuff. And then now seeing him, like, on the UFC, hearing Bruce Buffer call his name, like, people from in my neighborhood, we watch his fights every week. Every time he fights, everybody from high school meet up and watch it. And we just we just pushing for that man, man. It's crazy to think that in a in a different world, maybe he might someday have a chance to fight Volk. That is crazy to me. Just like, but um, yeah, man. I want to know your uh, your impressions on all that, man. Have a too sweet day, and all that stuff, man. Heck of a morning. Thanks, Dodd. Great fight. Love it. Big fan of both guys. Sadiq's good, man. He's he's a good fighter, and they're giving him opportunities. They gave him the Arnold Allen fight. Came up a little short. I think it was a five-round fight. Sadiq would may have may have hung in there. So uh, good win against Alex Cazares, and now he gets Giga Chikadze. Giga got listen. I'm going to say this truth. Giga whooped by Calvin Cater. That was a one-sided thrashing. So this is the fight to make. This this is absolutely the fight to make. I, I love the matchmaking here. I'm high on both guys. Giga. I think we realize. I don't know ceiling, but his ceiling is still high, but Cater just put it on him and he could basically do whatever he wanted to Giga in that fight. And so he could wrestle, man. I think that's going to be a big, a big thing in this fight. I think he's going to have to, and I'm sorry, AK, sorry. So he's going to have to mix the proverbial martial arts here. And if he does that, he's got a very good chance to win this fight. He is really good, really good standup. His takedown defense is actually really good, but, if you mix things up nicely, you can beat Giga, as, as Calvin Cater showed. By the way, if you are sort of a newer fan and you've only watched maybe the last season or two of the Contender Series, I highly recommend that if you want to watch the best fight ever in the history of the Contender Series, go back to July 24th, 2018, Sadiq Youssef versus Mike Davis, the best fight in the history of the Contender Series. It is phenomenal. It is a banger. It is the best fight ever on the Contender Series. It's fantastic. So Nick Yusuf won a unanimous decision, but those two guys beat the hell out of each other for 15 minutes. It was fantastic. Go check that out. If you, if you want to learn a little bit more about Sadiq Yusuf, go watch that fight. That guy has incredible heart. He's tough as hell, and he's a really good fighter. So love that fight. That September 17th card starting to come together nicely. The main event's great. With Corey Sanhagen, Song Yudong. It's going to be a good one. Good co good main event. Really good co-main event. Let's go to Mikey Bats. Let's see if we can get him in here. Mikey! We got him. How you doing, man? Really good to meet you two weeks ago. And I can't believe it's already been like 10 days. Take me back. I know, right? God damn, it flew by just like that. How's everybody doing? It did. 
Yes, we're good, what, man. We're good. What's, what's up, up Imperial Alex? Uh, <laughs> Alex? Alex is cool, man. Um, yeah, uh, that's a good card that we got coming up this Saturday. I'm really excited for Emily Ducat's UFC debut. She's kicking off the card. So there's actually all the female fights on the card, I feel, are of decent consequence, to say the least. And uh, really interesting that Yair is apparently promised a title shot. Well, we know if that thing ain't on paper, I, we can only throw it as far as it can go. So I think it depends on how he performs. I mean, if he puts on a five-round stinker against uh, Ortega, he ain't getting a title shot, but who knows. Um, as far as the lightweight title picture, I mean, I appreciate where Charles is coming from, but if you're willing to call yourself a world champion, you've got to travel the world, brother. What better statement to make than to go to Abu Dhabi and smash Islam in front of all those people? You know what I mean? Like, he's already basically, like I said, he did the enemy, he's doing the enemy tentative sort of thing. Because the thing is, if you want to be a draw, you got to do, there's some things that you got to do to be a draw. And one of them is to go to the enemy territory and beat people up. So, as far as Connor is concerned, I need him out of the picture. Just go fight Mosh at all. Make all that stupid cocaine money and just go away. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the fight. It's just that he's muddying up the water and I'm just like tired of it. So, just go chase that fight with Masvidal and do whatever else. Or fight a contender like, well, Pavel, like you just mentioned earlier. That'd be fun. Yeah, so that'll be all for the morning. Thanks, guys. See you around. Thanks, buddy. There's Mikey Bats. Yes, I got to be Mikey Bats in Vegas. Really good dude. Yeah. Um, Saturday's car. Yeah, the female fights. Emily Ducote is 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 on a tear right now. She's finding her stride. Jessica Penne, after the really long layoff, has been has looked pretty solid. So that's a good fight. Lauren Murphy Misha Tate's a good one. Michelle Watterson, Amanda Lamos is a good one at 125. So yeah. I like uh I like a lot of that fight. Yeah, it's at 125. Yeah, I forgot about that. It is at 125. So yeah, good fights. The card is is very solid. The Yair thing, I mean, listen, I Yair's getting the title shot if he wins. And I know you, you it's prefaced with uh, unless he drops a stinker, but when does Yair Rodriguez ever drops a stinker? That guy, that guy doesn't do stinkers. Brian Ortega doesn't do stinkers either. So that fight's gonna rule. It's gonna be fantastic. And if Yair wins, he's gonna get the title shot because the only other options for Volkanovsky are Josh Emmett, and I don't think Josh is getting the title shot just because I, not a lot of people thought he won his last fight against Calvin Cater. A lot of people felt Calvin Cater won that fight. Wasn't an emphatic win. Wasn't that type of win where you're like, you know what? Have to give this guy a title shot. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And the UFC has never once said that Josh Emmett is the guy. They've never said it. They've never said it. So I honestly believe that if Yair wins, he does, he will get the title shot because they, they just like him. He's an action fighter. And not saying that Emmett isn't good. Emmett probably deserves it from a meritocratic standpoint more than Yair does, but they're going to give it to Yair. And that doesn't leave Josh Emmett out in the cold because he could fight Max Holloway. He could fight, he could fight somebody else. Just get him one more win, do something emphatic, make it unexcusable, make it, make it so there's no doubt. Undoubt, no doubt at all. And he didn't do that against Calvin Cater. So, Josh, I like Josh is such a positive guy, but he's kind of always been like two steps ahead of the curve from a realistic standpoint of where he stands in the division. And he's right there. He's on a great run right now. 
but he's always kind of been like, yeah, I'm, if I win, I should get the title shot. Even if he was like ranked number 11 or something like that, he's always sort of had that. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to believe in yourself, but I just feel like, yeah, you're just going to get the shot. And then 155, I don't know. Like Oliveira doesn't feel like Islam has done enough to earn the shot. And there's a lot of other people who feel that way as well because Islam's on a great run. But again, and I've said this a few times, I get where people like that are coming from. His best win is Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is Islam Makachev's best win. Yeah, I mean, th- that doesn't get you a title shot. The dominance of everything, like him just smushing everybody, makes the fight intriguing, but... A lot of people feel, and Dana White has said this many times, he wants to Dariush get the fight with Islam. And maybe that's what happens. Maybe that's what happens. Who's going to complain about that? I wouldn't. And again, if I'm Oliveira, I'm like, I don't want to go to Abu Dhabi. If it's about the belt, and he's just like, no, I want on neutral territory. I don't want any chance that I get hosed by a judge or anything like that. We'll fight. And, and there's talks about going to Brazil. Talks about the UFC going back to Brazil, maybe like end of the year, early next year. And he probably wants to be on that card. So if you're Oliveira, unless the UFC says, hey, please take this fight. If you win, we'll give you Connor. I don't think he goes to Abu Dhabi. Honestly, I don't. And if they book that fight, it's because there's a contingency in place. Like, dude, Islam will give you Connor. Other than that, he could just let the other guys fight, and then he could just fight the winner wherever. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do you? And I'd I'd be certainly if they did Makachev versus Dariush for the vacant title, I'm I'm fine with that. And then Oliveira could fight the winner, no problem, no issues with that whatsoever. I know Michael Chandler's trying to sneak his way in there, and maybe he does. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But if they book, I will say this: if they book Makachev versus Chandler and just leap over Dariush, I'm going to have a few things to say about that. I like Chandler a lot, and I think it's actually an interesting matchup, Chandler versus Makachev, but if he just leaps over Dariush, that's that's pretty rough. Let's go to Roe. Roe, are you there? What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. Good morning to you. Um, actually good morning to, to you. Um... I actually wanted to get into uh, the Nelk boys getting, like, a quarter mil and uh, just get your thoughts on that because I think that's, like, utterly ridiculous considering how much he pays these athletes. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, and also, shout-out to AK for the shout-out on uh, on to the next one. I know you guys had a tough episode there having to redo it, but I appreciate you still giving me a shout-out. That was, that was really cool and doing an episode anyways because I know how frustrating that could be. But, yeah, uh, have a heck of a rest of the day. Thank you, sir. All right, so here's my thoughts on this. I had a feeling this was going to be asked. Um, let me just get let me just get comfortable here. I don't care that Dana gave two hundred fifty thousand dollars to a member of the Elf Boys. I think that's just like insane. Like, it's not like how long has he possibly known these dudes for? Like a couple of years at the most, and we're just throwing out here. Happy birthday, bud! Here's a quarter of a million dollars. That's just like it's just insane to me. Like I have a hard like I'm not cheap, but like I have a hard time like giving out a hundred dollars for like a you know what I mean? Like I never got like hundred dollar gifts. I got like twenty bucks or like ten bucks. 
my birthday, my parents give me like a $25 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. And I'm fine with that. That's like awesome to me. So I go to Dunkin's every day and get an iced coffee. I'm drinking one right now. Watch this. Listen to this. It's delicious. That's a great gift. My parents give me a $250,000 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. I'd be like, holy smokes. Are you serious? That's just, that's just nuts. I have no issue. That's Dana's money. It's not like he's going to the UFC bank account and pulling that money out and paying it to fighters. It, it, it pulling it out and giving it to the Elk Boys and not paying fighters. That's one thing. An issue. Dana should have the wherewithal to be like, hey, Nelk boy, dude. And I'm not that, I mean, I know that Nelk boys are popular, but I think Kyle is his name. Hey, Kyle, here's your $250,000. Don't post this shit on Twitter because it's going to make me look like an asshole. And Dana just doesn't say that. He's just, hey, go ahead, post that. Like, it is popular as the Nelk boys are, everyone's going to see this video. Everyone's going to see it and everyone's going to react to it. Why would you do that? Why? Just give him the 250. Just give him the 250K. Move on. Just give it to him. It doesn't need to be posted on social media. You look like an idiot. What do you think the reaction is going to be? You think people, like, you don't think anybody's going to pick up on this? You don't think fighters are going to react to this? You don't think fighters are, like, texting other fighters right now, being like, you see this shit? Like, it just makes, it, it just makes everybody look silly. And the Nelk boys are who they are, and... You know, you, they want the clout that Dana gave him $250,000. I get that. But, I mean, it's just dumb. Dana should have just been like, here's your, here's a gift. You are my friend. I treat my friends well. But don't post this thing on social media because it's going to make me look like an idiot. And hence, here we are. And Dana's just like, yeah, post it. Go ahead. Show the world how rich I am that I'm just giving away $250,000 to a guy that I met like a year and a half ago. It's just crazy to me. I don't have an issue with the gift. I honestly don't because it's Dana's money and he can spend it however he wants. He wants to donate some to charity, which he has done. By the way, the Bryce Mitchell thing, Dana is a man of his word. He gave the $45,000 to Bryce Mitchell and the charity he supported. Thing with Mike Malott, Dana does that too. Dana has that kind of money where he could just throw it around to charities or give gifts to friends and that's fine. That's This is what you do. If you have that kind of money and you want to Treat a friend to a quarter of a million dollars? Go right ahead. That's your prerogative. But you got to be smarter than that. Then, especially like Dana should know better at this point. Like, he, like, you have to know that when you post this video, that people are just going to look at it and say, oh, fighter pay, fighter pay. Louis Smolka comes out and says, hey, fighters, what are you doing? Unionize, unionize, get together, band together. So I don't know. It shouldn't have been on social media. Dana should have the wherewithal to be like, hey, asshole, take this off social media now because you make me look like a complete idiot. You make me look horrible in this situation. But Dana didn't do that. Dana is who he is. It's his money. He can spend it however he wants. Uh, I have no issue with the gift. I have an issue with him just being like, yeah, put it on social media. Let the world see that I gave you this ridiculous gift to a guy that I've known for I don't know. A couple cups of coffee, maybe. It's just, I don't know. Don't have an issue with the gift. Have an issue with the video being on social media and Dana just allowing it. Because that's just dumb. And I have no issue if any fighters have any problem with it whatsoever. Um, but again, let's just keep in mind, this is Dana's money. He can go to the bank and say, hey, I want to make a withdrawal of $250,000. Put 
put it in cash, put it in these bags, make sure you put the bands around them. So I give it to my friend, the Nelk boy. It is what it is. Let's go to semi-casual MMA. Perhaps. The wheel is spitting. Um, all right, hop back in semi-casual MMA. We'll get you in there. Let's go to Peter or Piotr. What's up? Hey, good morning, Mike. How's it going? Good. How are you, good, sir? Good, thank you. Um, so just to – this is my real question. Just to piggyback off of kind of what you were saying, I completely agree with how it's – there's no problem with the gift in general. If they're, if they're buddies and all, like that's great. They have a good partnership. And I'm actually a fan of the Nelk Boys and obviously a UFC fan too. So I like them kind of linking. But you got to think in the circumstances of – Dana being absent from the past, you know, few weekends of events, people are already wondering where he is. And then the first thing you see with Dana in the in the uh, back in social media is him handing over 250k to the Nelk boy. Who, let's be honest, he probably doesn't even need that money. He probably has enough, probably well off, but not the best look for Dana. I think I agree with you. He's got to keep that off social media and just keep it, you know, buddy, buddy. Like, yeah, here's happy birthday. <laughs> Anyways. Um, my, my real question is revolving around the aftermath of UFC 276 with uh, Izzy. So it seemed like right off the bat, Izzy was pretty much like, yeah, we all know who the next you know contender is going to be. It's going to be Pereira after he just knocked out Strickland. Um, what are your thoughts on that, that matchup, given the history? Obviously, it's a completely different sport now, but going back to the glory days, those two have a history. Uh, Pereira obviously understands how Izzy fights. He might not. Uh, Izzy might not be able to settle in as well as he does against a guy like Cannonier against Pereira. I think it's a really interesting matchup, and honestly, um, it gets me very excited. Even though Pereira has only had three fights in the in the UFC. Thank you, sir. Um, listen, it's gonna be the build to the fight will be fun. The UFC will tell the story. It'll be great. There's the past, uh, but I will. There are things that Izzy says in these scrums, in these press conferences and all the stuff that I don't agree with at all. Like I, I could not stand the, you could never do my job, but I could do your job. Bullshit. I hated that. I thought that was just dumb. And I think it was pointed towards one particular media member because Volkanovsky pointed to one particular media member during his post-fight press conference after he beat Max Holloway. And I think those are kind of hand in hand. I don't know for sure, but that's just kind of the initial read that I have on the situation. But don't say that stuff. That's just dumb, and it makes you look foolish. Uh, secondly, I, I let, again, the story's great. It'll be fun. There's a very good chance that the fight turns out exactly like this Cannon Air fight. Pereira is... Pereira is a powerful dude. He hits hard. He's very sneaky. He's very good. He's a very good striker, but he's also very opportunistic and he's very patient. So there is a very strong possibility that we see another fight very similar to what we saw at UFC 276, where you have two guys looking to make their move and waiting for one to go first. And... Counter, counter, counter. I'm wrong. Maybe this is the one that like just gets Izzy pissed off. Maybe Pereira being in his first UFC title fight, maybe he'll just 
be a little more aggressive and, and Adesanya can counter and, and have his moments. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm open to the fights. I would love to see it. I'm curious stylistically, but I'm also keeping in mind that we are boxing match, which could be fun from a stylistic perspective, but it could also be just the same kinds of fights we've seen from Izzy. Remember, winning is everything. Now, if you want to be, if you want to have a seat at the at the big table with all the superstars, you got to go out there and you have to, and you have to make people want more. You have you want to end your fights in a position where people want to see the next fight, and people want to see this next fight with Alex Pereira, no doubt about it. But if he beats Alex Pereira, then then what are we looking at here? So it's a big one for Izzy. View him. I think it could be fun, but there's also, we have to keep ourselves in a realistic place where this fight could be another just point kickboxing fight. And if you go back and watch the two kickboxing fights that these two guys had, I thought Adesanya won the first fight. He was winning the second fight until he got caught. So yeah, it could, it could very well happen that way. So let's just, we want to be positive. Yes. And some people like the, the mid range kickboxing matches. A lot of people didn't like what they saw at UFC 276, and that's fine. But we have to open ourselves up to the possibility that it could be two guys circling around, looking to counter the other. It's very possible. Let's go to Vinny, and then we'll try to get semi-casual MMA back in here. Vinny, what's up, man? Hey, good morning to you, Mike. How are you? Um, good, how are you? Good. Hey, I just wanted to ask you on the uh, Dustin Poirier. I'm sorry, Dustin Poirier. Um, the Dustin Jacoby fight. Uh, against uh, Su Du Young. Su Yu Young? Hold on a second. I forgot his name. Uh, I was looking at uh, fights between uh, Yair and Halo. I'm sorry, Yair and uh, my my apologies. It was uh, Dustin Jacoby against the Dao Young. Oh, uh, just okay. yeah. Do you, do you, yeah. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Because I think that's going to be a big fight as well. Thank you, sir. Love the fight. Dustin Jacoby's on some kind of a roll right now. I know he was a little banged up heading into his last fight, which is why he feels he didn't perform as well as he probably could have against uh, Michel Olegzajczyk, who I believe is also fighting on this card. Or no. Is he on this card? No, it's not on this card. He's fighting on a different... I think he's on the August 6th card. Uh, but Dawn Jung can crack too. Both these guys can crack. Very excited to to see it. It's a good one at at two hundred five, and I think this is the one where I think Jacoby's sort of knocking on that door of getting a number and getting a big fight. And I think the UFC is just kind of giving him one last test. He's won seven in a row in MMA. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's had some tough tests in a lot of his fights. So I like the matchup a lot. It's a good one at two hundred five. Semi-casual MMA, let's give this a whirl. We're going to go for another 15 minutes or so. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike, just a quick question for you. Uh, I know you're from Massachusetts, sure. and I, I know that you know that, that drive down to Long Island is pretty tough, but I saw the tickets for the event are going to be about $100 with the fees. So would you, if you were a broke college student, do you think that it's worth it to make that drive down there this weekend? Have you been to a card before? Not a UFC one. I went to Bellator a couple weeks ago. Okay. Good question. Um, I would say yes. I would say yes, because this is probably the one, right? If you wait for a pay-per-view, 
The next one probably in your area is probably going to be at MSG and that's going to be way more expensive. Plus like, here's the thing. You can get an early pregame on, get some breakfast, go right in, watch these fights. And then when it's all said and done, it's going to be over at like before 6 PM Eastern is yours. You got it. And you get to tell your friends like, Hey, I went to a UFC card and I could still meet you out for beers afterwards. It's a pretty good night. You tell your girlfriend, we could go on a date. I can go to these UFC fights with the boys and then go on a date with you after, or you can come with me to the UFC and then we'll go out to dinner afterwards. And this is a pretty good, great main event. You get some bangers of, of fights on here. You got aches that matter. Shane Burgos, Charles Jordan. I mean, there's a lot to like here. And it's only a hundred bucks. You're not going to get that for a lot of these pay-per-views. I can tell you that right now. So yeah, I would go. I would go. I'm in South Carolina right now, so way longer of a drive. But yeah, it's it's going to be a fun card. It's going to be good. Let's go to Viking MMA. Viking MMA. And it usually takes a minute to connect here. Viking, are you there? There we go. We got you. Hey, Ryan. Are you planning Hello, to sir. visit India? If you are, then I'll do your hospitality. No big deal. Uh, maybe. I mean, if the UFC goes there and... My bosses say, hey, you want to go to India? I have one more question. One more question. Mm, who's who's going to win if Islam and Hamzat fights in UFC? If your answer is Islam, then skip. you can skip the question and go to other listen, listener. Wait, Islam fighting Hamzat? Is that what you said? Yes. Interesting. Interesting question. Um, I mean, I'd probably have to go with Hamzat because, I mean, he's just going to have a massive size advantage, isn't he? Skill for skill, it's... I mean, that's... I don't know. I don't know if that, that fight ever happens. I would favor Hamzat right now, but... I don't know. Something to... Uh, Something to ponder, I guess. But that's that's interesting. I have to think about that a little bit more. I have to dive a little bit deeper into that one. But I would favor Hamza right off the bat just because of the size discrepancy. But it's funny. I would actually <laughs> I wonder like Islam versus Izzy, how that would go. It, it, like Jed and I have talked about this on Between the Links about, about what would happen if um if Habib fought Israel Adesanya. Like what would happen, and we both would favor Habib to beat Adesanya, <laughs> and I know Ali has talked about that as well. That he feels like Habib would finish Adesanya in three rounds. I don't know if he would finish Adesanya in three rounds, but I think he would beat Adesanya. Let's go to Rel. What's up, Rel? Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm how are good. you? I'm good. So I'm gonna actually piggyback off that last question, but I'm gonna take out. Islam, and I'm gonna throw in Shav, um, Rachmana, Shavkat, Rachmana. How would a fight between Shavkat and um, Chamayev would go? And then 
what did you think about Fazeev calling out Justin Gates? Do you think that's a fight that he could get down the line or maybe in a couple months? And then why isn't Islam like I know a lot of people say he need, you know, that top five win to get the belt. I mean, to get the title shot. So why isn't anyone like why isn't he getting booked? Like, what's where's the what, what, what's going on? Like, what is people ducking him or is it just he wants he's only going for the title fight or nothing else? Thank you. Have a good morning. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, you broke up a little bit. Uh, what was that last question again? Oh, why isn't Islam getting bulked for like any okay. fights like in the top five? Like I know people say he needs a top five fight. So why isn't he getting, you know, that fight that everyone say he needs so he could get the title shot? Or is it his own, you know, I just want a title shot or I don't want nothing. Is it that or like what's going on? Okay, cool. So to answer the last question, I feel I feel like the UFC wants Islam in that main event in Abu Dhabi, whether it's against Oliveira or against Darius or against Chandler or whoever. Uh, I feel like just just the area, them going there, they want to book a special card for the fans over there. I feel like I feel like Makachev's going to be in on that card either way. So whether they book him in a title fight, whether he gets Oliveira, he's part of it, or just fights Darius in a like a straight up contender fight. I mean, I, I just think they want him on that card. I, th- I think that's that's what they're looking at. Either way, I think if it's up to them, they're going to try to do the Oliveira fight on that card. Can they get it? Not sure. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to what they're going to do. I don't know if Oliveira is going to say yes to fighting in Abu Dhabi. I don't know. Um, but it'll be very interesting to to see what happens. The Shafkat uh, Shamaya fight. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be getting we're going to be talking about the idea of those guys fighting for for quite some time. Again, oof, that's tough. That's a 50-50 fight in my eyes. Both guys can strike. Both guys can wrestle. Both guys can grapple. Both guys have incredible top games. Boy, I think the build to that fight is just going to be incredibly fun. Just incredibly fun. Can't wait to see what happens if those two guys get booked. I don't, wouldn't expect it to happen anytime soon. Uh, I would say Shafkat will probably fight before Shamayev does. That's just kind of how I look at it right now. But I'm excited to see who he fights next. And don't give him Wonder Boy. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Don't do that. I feel like if Usman beats Leon Edwards in August, I think they're going to do Shafkat versus Leon Edwards. That's how I feel it's going to go. Let's go to Chris. What's up, Chris? Hey, Mike. I got to say, I've got some beef with you today because oh boy, I was listening on Sunday to on to the next one, as I always do, and I know you guys had the technical issues. But as I'm getting toward the end of the episode, you drop a little nugget there, and you guys don't even talk about how it looks like Christoph Jocko and Brendan Allen are going to meet in the octagon, I assume for a main event on a pay-per-view, to see who is the number 16 middleweight <laughs> in the UFC rankings. So I just want to know, can we expect an emergency episode once it becomes official, and will you and AK Lee... Happy birthday, by the way. Are you guys going to break down how you think each fighter matches up against Brad Tavares 
so that the winner can fight for the number 15 spot in the UFC rankings. I love that question. That is fantastic. So as AK and I like to like to talk about, we consider Christoph Jocko the middleweighty middleweight champion of the UFC, which is basically like the number 16 guy. Um, again, I haven't 100% confirmed that this is the fight, but Brennan Allen has publicly stated it, so I feel comfortable at least saying because he's, this was said by Brennan himself. Brennan Allen spoke to my good friend James Lynch at the UFC Hall of Fame red carpet. And he dropped a nugget to James that October 1st, he's already signed the contract. He's fighting Christoph Jocko. Uh, it will not be a main event, even though it should be because the stakes are very high, baby. The middleweighty middleweight championship of the universe between those two guys. It's the right fight to make. It will not be the main event October 1st, but it'll be a fun fight at 185 pounds and good opportunity for Brendan Allen. That last fight he had was a, was a dog fight. A lot of a lot of people felt like maybe he lost that fight, but I have no problem with people saying he won. I actually scored it for for Brennan myself, but yeah, it's a good fight. Christoph is just Christoph is just, and I hate using the word gatekeeper because it feels like disrespectful, but I feel like Christoph is like the Court McGee of the middleweight division. What I mean by that is, if you're going to be a guy who's going to make a run at 185, you have to be able to beat Christoph Jocko, and if you can't, then you could still have a very successful career in the UFC. You might not be fighting Adesanya or fighting the title, but if you beat him, then we know we could 14, 13, maybe we could set you up for opportunities to climb that ladder. I feel like Yako is the ultimate litmus test at 185. I think each division has one, and I think, like, I feel like welterweight is like two of them. You got Court McGee, you got Neil Magny, who are very good fighters. But it's a great litmus test to see how good a fighter actually is and how far they can go. So I like the fight. I think it's good matchmaking. I dig it. We'll see who will become the middleweighty middleweight champion. We'll go to Amelia, then we're going to go to Terrence. Amelia, what's up? Oh, no. I hear nothing. I hear basically what you're... Your profile photo is a ninja. You're quietly here. I know you're here, but you're just very quiet. Hop back in. I'll get you in. Terrence. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good. Good. Uh, I just thought of a random question. Um, so, of course, we have, like, gaps in weight classes where, like, people say they should be, like, a 125. Oh, not 125. <laughs> um, more or less, like, a 195 and as well as, like, a woman's atom weight and stuff like that. Could you name three or four fighters who will fare well if they either dropped the weight class or went up a weight class? Um, for example, like if Gasolum got his diet under control, went back down to 170, I think it would be a problem. Um, and then it's a lot of the actual women who are in straw weight are really atom weights, but they have no choice but to fight up at straw weight. Um, so that's all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Um, I mean, I think Kevin Lee is probably like the best example. Uh, we finally got to see him at 165 in Eagle FC, and I feel like that's a good weight class for him, even though he had a tough time with Diego Sanchez. But he was hurt in that fight, so uh, I'll give him that. Um, I feel like Wonder Boy, if there's like a 175, I think that'd be a really good spot for him. 
because he cuts a lot of weight. I feel like RDA would do well at 165. I feel like Chris Weidman would do well at 195. I feel like even like even the guy like Carl Roberson, like Carl Roberson would would be like a perfect 195 fighter because he's too small for middleweight or he's too big for middleweight. Like he has a hard time getting to 185, but he's way too small for 205, as you saw against Kennedy and Chichuku, who just looked like he was 100 pounds heavier than him. But 195 would be good. Now, none of that's going to happen, unfortunately, in the UFC. We're not going to see that. And then it's Adam Weight. There's there's a lot of fighters who aren't in the UFC who could do well at Adam Weight. Um, and then just in the UFC, like Michelle Watterson is a 105er. Carlos Sparza is probably not getting down to 105, but technically, like overall, she's probably a 105er, but she's sort of built herself up to be a 115. Jin Yu Fry, another one who could fight at 105. I mean, just, I'd love to see the 105 pound division in the UFC. I think it would be super fun. And I think. 105 and me, like if they just booked a 105 division right now, it's way more interesting than the women's band and weight division. Like immediately before a single fight happens before a single punch is thrown. The women's Adam weight division, the UFC would already be more interesting than the women's band and weight division. All right, Emilio, take us home. My man, take us home. Please. Hello. We got you. Here we, we go. Did it. Thanks, Mike. We did it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good to talk to you again. First of all, a heck of a morning to you and everybody else in this uh, beautiful Twitter world. Uh, so my question is basically about Saeed Nurmagomedov. I feel like not enough is, not enough is being said about him as a quote-unquote prospect. I mean, I know that he's 30 I mean, to be honest, I was surprised when I did a little bit of research and I found out that he was 30. Um, do you think it's because he doesn't have that O in that uh, in the defeat uh, record uh, compared to other of his Dagestani compatriots? Uh, do you think it's because of that, that he's not rated as highly? Is it the age? Uh, is it the fact that he lost in the UFC? Um, I think he lost to Haoni Barcelos, uh, which is not a bad fight to lose. But I guess if you're going to be some sort of Dagestani super-powered prospect, uh, you got to beat pretty much everybody in the UFC um, up until the top 15, especially in a division like Bantamweight. So I don't know. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, what is his ceiling? What do you think is his ceiling? Uh, I mean... If he's gonna make a run to the title, then he has to do it. He has to do it now. Uh, you could say. I mean, he is in his prime, uh, but I I rate him very very highly, and I think that he could definitely make some waves uh, in the top ten at bantamweight. Even though I think he's not there yet. Yeah, he's definitely not there, but I think he will. Thanks, Mike. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate ya, and uh, have a heck of a morning. Thank you, sir. Heck of a morning to you as well. I like Saeed Nurmagomedov. The guy's good. That win over Cody Stam was gigantic. This was a good performance against a really tough guy. So, unfortunately, I think he's going to be in a position where he's just going to have to fight really tough outs for a little while until he's eventually going to the... It's going to get to the point where you just can't ignore him anymore. So, I want the Victor Henry fight. That's the one I want. Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Victor Henry. That's it. That is the fight. 
as I said, I'm on to the next one. I was waiting to say Victor Henry's name, find the right matchup for him, and I feel with uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. The guy's real good. And I think a lot of people, I think the Nurmagomedov name helps in a lot of ways. And I feel like in Saeed's case, it kind of hurts him because not a lot of people know, like, he's not, he's not, like, they have a relationship, but they're not related. He's not related to Habib and, and, and all of those guys. And he's a completely different fighter than all those guys. Like he can, he can, he can wrestle. He can, he can grapple if he needs to. Uh, but it's like Plan C for him. The dude could strike his ass off. He's a striker. He's a kickboxer and a really good one. And a lot of people like don't really know that. And I think the name kind of hurts him a little bit because he's tied into them, but yet he has no ties with them. It's just coincidentally the same name. He's got like friendship ties, but not family ties, not blood ties. And he's not like the Dagestani wrestler, Nurmaga Madoff. He's a, I'll kick you right in the face, Nurmaga Madoff. And that's always fun. But he's good. I'm excited. If he beats Victor Henry, I think uh, hardcores know that we can push this guy a little bit. All right. Two last quick ones. We're going to go to Zach. We're going to go to Navin. Then we have to get out of here. Zach, how are you? Zach. Un- Here we go. Stop being nice. How I got you. Zach, are you there? Yes. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much. What do you got? What do you got? Oh, nothing. All right. Don't know why you requested, but thanks for listening. Naven. What do you got, buddy? There we go. Hey, buddy. Uh, so I would like to follow up on your comments regarding the bantamweight division. Sure. So instead of pushing two Nurmagomedovs, why don't they face each other and the winner can go ahead for the top contenders? Hey, listen. That, that Naven, is a great idea. Uh, a lot of people on to the next one suggested that. And the UFC could actually do something, you know, fun. Like, they didn't do have any fun with the, uh, the Raphael-Hafael battle at all. But you could do this one, and you could just tagline it. There can only be one. Just like a lot of the Otno suggestions put out there. Nirmaga made up versus Nirmaga made up. That actually probably might actually be the best idea they could do. And I know I just mentioned, like, the name kind of hurts them in that respect. But in that situation, it wouldn't. Because, I mean, it'd just be good. I like that idea. You can have some fun. There can only be one. Bantamweight Nurmagomedov. And then you do a little promo video. But the UFC won't do that. They'll just, they'll just randomly announce it on the ESPN Fight Center. Nobody will know about it until like five days before the fight's actually supposed to happen. But don't worry. We have you covered. We'll think of fun things to do. Right here at MA Fighting. All right, I got to get out of here. It's a busy day. We have a lot going on. Uh, we have the Jake Paul press conference. Apparently, he's fighting somebody, but maybe he's not fighting anybody, but he'll be at the press conference at MSG today. Uh, Amanda Serrano will also be at MSG today. Ariel Hawani, our own Ariel Hawani, will be hosting the press conference. That goes down at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will be covering that. Uh, we will be recording a couple of podcasts today. One is the ranking show, which I'm very excited about. I will be a part of the rankings show panel 
with AK and Shaheen Alshadi. I believe Jed Mishu will be joining us as well. Uh, I will also be a panelist with AK on Jed Mishu's show. Dan, they were good. We're going to take a look back, a retrospective, if you will, on the career of one Donald Cowboy Cerrone, now that he has officially announced his retirement from the sport. So we'll take a look back on that. Uh, that's going to drop, I think, tomorrow at some point. But the big news, 4 p.m. Eastern, live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel, one-on-one, Ariel Hawani speaking to one Nathan Diaz. And I'm sure he has a lot to say, and he will say it, 4 p.m. Eastern, MMA Hour, special edition, special Tuesday episode, 4 p.m. Eastern, Ariel Hawani speaks with one Nate Diaz. So, busy day here at MMAfighting.com. Hope you guys stick around. Hope you guys follow along with everything. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, everybody, have a heck of a morning. You're the best. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.